And welcome back to yet another episode of Sports with a Z and a T podcast presented by Godzilla Media. We are sponsored by Saving Face Barbershop and Mohawk Honda. Very exciting news coming down the line with them. Excited to be working with them in the future. Another busy week in the sports world. The NBA playoffs are a full go. A lot of, a lot of controversy, some injuries going on. So we'll get down to that. Uh, new rules coming down in the MLB. I took a trip to Philadelphia this past weekend. So a lot happened. Uh, we're going to be talking – well, let, let's start right off the rip because we have a lot of NBA playoffs to get to. My Sixers took a loss last night. We'll get to that. Um, controversy surrounding the Nets and what's real about them. What are their chances now with the injuries that have come across their table? How real are the Nets' chances of becoming an NBA Finals contender at this point? Are the Suns the real deal? We'll get all into that right now. So let's start right off the rip, Taylor. We're, we're going to go real or not real. The round two Ooh. NBA playoff trends. I got a whole list of them. We're going to go right through them all. And I want to start with the Nets and their title chances after Kyrie Irving went down with that ankle injury. And if, if you did not see, for our listeners out there, if you did not see that injury, his ankle was 90 degrees. Oh yeah, uh, he, he he fell on the defender's foot and it didn't look good. He went down in a heap quickly. It was like he almost got shot and, and then <laughs> he he fell down in a whole lot of pain. Immediately ruled out for the rest of the game. He has an ankle sprain and uh he's not likely to see the remainder of this series and who knows what his future lies uh mo- moving forward if they do advance. James Harden, as we do record, game five will be tonight, and mm-hmm. he's questionable, likely to play, but questionable. And we all, you know, everybody's like, well, Harden's back. They do still have two of three. But just remember, Anthony Davis tried to play on a bad hamstring, too. That lasted all of like three minutes, and the Lakers got eliminated. So mm-hmm. just words of the wise there. Who knows how James Harden is going to hold up for the remainder of the series, which really leaves Kevin Durant and his supporting cast. Um, an essential part, at least, Taylor, in my opinion, you're, you're going to have the floor here in a second. To me, an essential part of any path to an NBA championship is luck, number one. And Mm -hmm. I said from the rip, as have you, the Nets need luck in this playoffs. They played a total of seven games together with the big three healthy, and they haven't proven that they can stay healthy. And I said, it's your, it's going to come down to can they hold up and get through an entire playoffs to get to where they want to go. They have the talent. There's no denying that the Brooklyn Nets have the talent. Of course. But can they stay together? Uh, The Nets have not been lucky. They spent all year, like (laughs) I said, dealing with injuries to that big three of James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, including the playoffs. Um, Now, including the playoffs, they've only played 15 games together. Harden suffered the recurrence of that hamstring injury that's cost him nearly – all of this round two um, so far. And and it it was what caused him to miss a good chunk of the back end of the season. This for me was the window Milwaukee was looking for. And if James Harden cannot prove to be healthy, Kevin Durant, and I will say it right now, and I'm (laughs) sure you will agree with me. Kevin Durant is not enough to carry the nets to a series win 
over the box. Yeah. Um, this is, it's going to be hard for Kevin Durant. If, if, if there's no Kyrie Irving, if there's no James Harden, it's going to be really tough. Can he do it? I mean, he has to win two games at home. That's what it comes down to. That's the three and two of them are going to be on the home court. So can you muster him and Joe Harris and the rest of the supporting cast to do it? I think you can. Um, it depends a lot on if the Bucks are hitting their shots and if Giannis is being super hyper aggressive and if Chris Middleton can play the way he's played the last two games. The last two games were at home on the road. The first two games, we all remember how Chris Middleton and the rest of the Bucks played. Terrible. They have all the momentum in the world, though, because they just won back to back games. I mean, you and I talked on last week's episode about are the Nets really that good or are the Bucks playing that bad? And I think we both agree it was a combination of both. I mean, yeah. the Nets have the talent, and when they're on the court together, yeah, they looked they looked unbeatable. But the Bucks looked so disinterested, and it it, it almost took an uh, it did it took an ugly game three where really neither team seemed like they won to win the game, which was really hard to believe. Yeah. Um, the Bucks somehow have collected themselves and have regained momentum going into a best of three series. You're tied at two, uh, and all of a sudden what looked like a complete lost cause, the momentum's in their favor. They've won two straight. The Nets are the walking wounded, and and you have Chris Middleton playing like his potential. You have Giannis playing better. P.J. Tucker has gotten into the Nets' heads a little bit. I mean, this is a team, this is a gritty Bucks team that is wearing down Brooklyn, and I think that's where people were looking at the Bucks as the Nets' really biggest threat until the potential finals Eastern Conference Finals, where they see the Sixers, why the number yeah. one seed was so important because nobody wanted to see the Bucks because of what they can do and wear you down in a seven game series. It's, I think it's going to come down to James Harden's health, obviously, because if he can play, um, you know, as James Harden, at least I would say 90% is going to be needed, if not more, to, to beat this team handedly. Um, it, Barring Kevin Durant putting up 46, like high 40s or even like mid mid 30s. And then you get Joe Harris putting up maybe 20. Like that's what it's going to take to because you're not going to be able to really stop. I don't think this Buck squad as well as you did the first two games, because now they have all that momentum. They've seen the ball go in the hoop. And Giannis, you would think, knows what he needs to do. And Chris Middleton knows what he needs to do. He needs to come back out and they both need to be aggressive and they need to score. And you know that the Nets cannot guard them, really. Not not truly. The the matchup that you really want to focus on, and it's really it's unlikely that PJ Tucker is going to be allowed to be as physical with Kevin Durant as he was in the past two games. That's really where KD was getting off his game. I mean, when PJ Tucker was on KD, he shot an uncharacteristic 20 of 53. I mean, that, that that's not playoff that. I mean, that's not KD period, but that's certainly not the KD you expect come playoff time. PJ Tucker has been kind of that secret weapon for the Bucks to get KD out of his game. But moving forward, even if that matchup kind of normalizes itself and Tucker can't really have his way with KD like he had the past two games, simply replacing Harden, if Harden can't prove to be healthy, I mean, 
great. He plays. But how, I mean, are you going to even be able to rely, rely on him for more than 20 minutes? If that, no, I mean, you're, you're just not, know. you, you know, you, right. You don't know. And we could look really bad talking about this tomorrow the when the show airs. It's, it's the same injury that he's been dealing with this entire season. Exactly. If it was a new injury to be rushed back, like, right. If it was a new injury, that's something different. But just like with AD, this is something that's been a problem and has continued to prove to be a problem. I don't think you're going to see Harden much tonight or the rest of the series. I don't think you're seeing Kyrie the rest of the series, period. No, I don't. So, think you, so, so you're looking at KD with a combination of Mike James, Land, Landry Shaman. Look, I like Landry Shaman, but to replace the <laughs> the shoes of a James Harden <laughs> shooting-wise, I I that's not realistic. It's James Harden. Um, Bruce yeah. Brown's been okay, but that in a seven game series this late in the playoffs, I mean, you could have, you were going to get away with that in round one, right? You're, you're not going to get, I mean, you could have gotten away with that against the Celtics probably this year, but not, not the bucks. Certainly not. If this, we'll get to the Sixers. I still think they're fine. Not yeah, certainly yeah. not. If you get to the Sixers yeah. and, and certainly um, even making it to the NBA finals, no, I, I when I, mean, I look at the question, real or not real, about the Nets being a true NBA championship contender at this point in the playoffs, I'm going to have to say not real because there's too many teams that are showing more consistency and the ability, even though, you know, yes, the Sixers have are banged up. They don't have Danny Green. Joel Embiid has the torn meniscus. He's he's trying to gut through that other teams have their other issues but there's plenty of other teams that are at full strength that i think could take advantage of a weak and wounded nets team and i think the bucks are the first team to do it and i think the bucks are going to move on that's what i mean is like yeah injuries aside for the future i mean you don't know what james harden is going to be able to give you and coming into this you gotta i think bucks should be the favorite even on the road i think they should be the favorite because you don't know if james harden is going to be able to play more than 20 minutes or maybe 30, but like it's going to be spaced out uh, between the quarters if you can survive when he's out. But even when he's on the court, you don't know if he's going to be like 80% or if he's going to be up in the 90%, given that this is the same injury. And it seems like he's like slowly progressing back. It doesn't see, and even now they're questionable. Like he's questionable. He's not definitely playing. Yeah, it's I, like I, game time decision or I whatever. I mean, so. we're, we're recording this episode. It's around 5 30. I mean, game time. It, tip is 7 30 tonight he's listed as questionable shams has said that he's going to play it's just hard to believe that he's it's just hard to believe that he would have a strong impact i mean we'll we'll see tomorrow if if we're right or wrong on this but i just i don't see it i i I can't see i I see a very similar situation to ad and the lakers it's just not going to end well because (laughs) you don't mess with hamstrings i mean if, if you have a bad hamstring you're not making it more than I mean, you really shouldn't be. If this was the regular season, he'd be out a month. Yeah, exactly. And so what I do think it is, though, is it's a great opportunity for Kevin Durant. It's not one of those. It it could be a a legacy type game. I mean, if 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 he goes out there, he scores mid 30s, high 40s, 50s, even and they win, even whatever happens, even if they like 
I'm assuming he'd have to score a lot for them to win. That's what he does. But if he wins, it's not going to, it's not going to like make or break him as one of the greatest of all time. He's already one of the greatest scorers of all time, if not the greatest scorer of all time. I mean, this but, is what K, this is what KD wanted, right? He wanted to go to another team. And prove I mean. he, he, he wanted to prove that he could carry another team to the NBA finals and, and win the whole thing. So do it. This is your shot because you don't have Kyrie or a healthy, you, you don't, you don't have Kyrie probably the rest of the series and you sure don't have a healthy Harden if he does play. So, I mean, this is but, this is going to be Kevin Durant and a bunch of supporting cast led by Blake Griffin, Mike James, Landry Shamit, Bruce but I Brown. don't think there's a lot of pressure on him because it's – obviously he wants to win, but, like, he's always going to be like, oh, well, I mean, if he doesn't win, it's, he didn't have Kyrie and James Harden is the two best players, second best player and his third best player. Like, he didn't have those guys, so what was he supposed to do? So there's no expectation of him – really winning and so there's no pressure he can play with so i think he'll just go out there and ball and see if he can get it especially if james harden doesn't play if he does play and he's not 100 still like kevin durant carry the way i think the nets as a title contender though right now the way they are i i'd say not real because like you said i mean it's going to be tough for them to even get through this series much less having to play philly or the hawks i still think the philly but uh, even with them being banged up as well. I mean, it'll be tough if if they go into it and they have to like Embiid is on one side with his torn meniscus and you got a hobbled Kyrie and James Harden on one side. It's going to be like the battle of injuries on, on that one side. But, I mean, I mean, you know. this is the NBA playoffs. It, it, it really does come down to who can get through the, the dog days of the semifinals and the conference finals and see what you got left in the finals. I mean, this is where the, it really is wide open in both conferences, and that's what I want to get oh, yeah. to now. Um, let, let's switch to the West real quick. We'll come back to the East. Don't worry. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to go. I want to go to the Suns and how impressive and dominating they were against. Granted, a injured Denver Nuggets team, but still a Denver Nuggets team that found a way to make it to the semifinals with their MVP and Nikola Jokic. Uh, this <laughs> are the Suns in your eyes at this point the favorites to win the West at least for now. I mean, in my uh, the biggest advantage Phoenix has is that it has already secured a spot in the Western Conference Finals. Clippers and Jazz are still duking it out for mm-hmm. for for that that other spot. But the the Suns get to rest at home. Um, they're they're hot, but you wonder if that time off is going to cool them down. But looking at what the Suns have done in the playoffs, knocking off get healthier, not get healthier, knocking off the Lakers, and now knocking off the MVP in Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets, in your eyes, are the Suns the favorite in the West now? I think if I were making the odds for them, I would say yes. If, out of, as a betting standpoint, I think they should be the favorite. Um, and I guess I, I really did. Uh, do them dirty with my original pick of Lakers in five, um, which obviously did not, wasn't even close to that. Yeah, not great. Um, but, no, well, I mean, injuries uh, happened on that team as well. You of know, course. injury bug hits hard, but um, I don't want to pick against them again. I want to give them the respect. They've been fantastic. I mean, Chris Paul has is arguably the MVP of this uh, postseason so far um, with the way that he he's i think he has like 33 assists or something and like two turnovers he has more steals than he has turnovers that's incredible that's insane 
actually. And like he's the quintessential point guard. He's showing the world how like the actual term point guard like originally like be that distributing guy score when you need to and just dominate a, a team. And it's it's impressive to watch. And I think they should be the favorites. My heart tells me the Clippers are yeah, the Clippers still. But that's just so, my heart. So just to talk about CP three for a second, obviously everybody knows at this point that he's been dealing with that shoulder contusion. So keep that in mind when I read off these stats. <laughs> um, I mean, he torched Denver. Absolutely oh, yeah. torched them. 25 and a half a points. It was a clinic. 20, 25.5 points per game, 10.3 assists per game shot 63% per percent percent from <laughs> percent from the field. Percent. Um, that was his best in any playoff series that he's had since 2008. Yeah. Um, his 8.2 to your to your note that you just added, he has an 8.2 assist turnover ratio. That's the best by any point guard in NBA playoff history in yeah. any series. CP3 has dominated, and he could very well have his own case for being the MVP this year because of what he did with this Phoenix team and is again proving why he's so impactful again in the Nuggets series. Um, mm-hmm. But but just on that, you, you know, Phoenix getting healthy, looking good, playing their best basketball at the right time, you look across the other matchup in the Western Conference and, and you see Utah, they're still without Mike Conley because of a hamstring strain. Wherever you heard that one before, um, Donovan Mitchell is playing through that ankle injury, so they're banged up. You have the Clippers; they're missing Serge Ibaka, and you're asking Paul George and Kawhi to log really heavy minutes. Simply, I mean, they don't really have a bench. First and foremost, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it is Kawhi and Paul George that that is their team. Um, but Paul George and Kawhi have already played more than any Phoenix player has entering the conference finals and they still have three games to go. So you talk about the wear and tear and, and and some people may look too much into it and I'm not trying to look too much into it, but you have to look at, you know, Phoenix feeling pretty damn good about themselves, resting up, getting healthy for just like what we talked about in the East, the Sixers, if they beat the Hawks or the, you know, if the Hawks somehow advance, they're sitting there after, you know, winning this series, looking at Brooklyn and and Milwaukee beating the hell out of each other. It's the same kind of thing here in the Western conference. Phoenix is going to be sitting there chilling, watching, you know, Utah, (laughs) Utah and LA beat the hell out of each other. And what, what is those teams going to have left? So, I I mean, my gut, I mean, my prediction was Sixers Clippers finals. So I'm going to stick with my pick. Um, and, and say the Clippers are still my favorite. I, I think the talent certainly says the Clippers, yeah. but the way the Suns are playing right now, I mean, that that certainly is real. That I think as of recording time, yes, the Suns are the favorite to win the West simply because of all the outside scenarios that are evolving with Utah and LA. I think the Suns are playing at the right time, their best basketball of the season. And it's no coincidence that CP3 has logged the best stretch any point guard has ever had in an NBA playoff series. That's pretty impressive when you think about it. An 8.2 assist turnover ratio, the best by any point guard in NBA playoff history, 
Just think about the point guards that have played in the NBA playoffs over the years. I, I mean, you can list off any Hall of Famer, any top point guard now. I mean, Steph Curry, anyone. So just keep that in mind and really put into perspective what CP3 is doing. Yeah, no, CP3 has been absolutely amazing. This entire series is that his last series was just like a masterclass in playing the position of point guard. And you can't take that away from him. And honestly, I should probably be picking the Suns to win. And I, you're, you're making all these good points. Like you're, you're changing my, my gut too, my heart too. I mean, who do I think is the best player? That's Kawhi still. I still think Kawhi is better overall than CP3. Um, I know they, they play different positions. They do different things for their team. But if I'm stacking up one player or the other, I think Kawhi is number two or three in the world right now, in my opinion. And so I still think that him and then the way that Paul George is even playing, Paul George is playing like pretty good. Like I know he gets a lot of shit from a lot of people, especially like last year with <laughs> calling him pandemic P and whatnot. <laughs> Cause he called himself playoff P that one time. Mm-hmm. And the way they do- just got dominated by the nuggets and that the cut, the three, one collapse last year. Um, he's taken a lot of it, but I think, He's played very well. I I, I saw that they they Kawhi and uh, Paul George are the only one of three duos who have scored uh, twenty points in ten straight playoff games. So he's still keeping up with Kawhi. He's trying to take off whatever you know pressure he has because obviously Kawhi can't score forty six every single night. And you do wonder, you know, these guys have especially Kawhi has been known to be like you know he takes take some games off at least last year. He didn't really do that this year, which is, which is impressive for him because he usually load manages a lot, but I feel like he's doing a lot of load managing on the court as well. And so that's why in some of these games, like the first two games in Utah, it was like, you know, he kind of didn't look like himself. And then they come back to LA and boom, he's pushing the whole team over the hump to get those two wins. So I think he can get over the jazz. And I think once it comes to that, the, the Suns versus the Clippers, it's, it, it might come down to who was the more well-rested team. And that's definitely the Suns. They're going to be sharp. They're going to be well-rested. They're going to have seen everything that the Clippers threw at the jazz. They don't even have to watch game film because they can just watch the games and then watch film on top of it. So they're going to have all the time in the world to game plan for who, whichever team they end up facing. Yeah. I, I think they have to be the favorites in the West right now. It's, it's hard not to pick them and they, they are, they're really fun to watch that. That's they the are. other thing. And, and then you, you just, Phoenix is one of those teams that you saw in the bubble last year. You saw the momentum build into the season. They added CP3. We thought it was a good addition, but we didn't think it would go this this far. And, and Monty Williams, obviously, I look. I get what Tom Thibodeau did in, in New York, but I have I have some gripes that Monty Williams did not get Coach of the Year. I just think what he's done with this Suns team is absolutely incredible, and you're seeing it come to fruition now. Um, and they're they're sitting at home waiting for their opponent in the Western mm-hmm. Conference Finals. I don't think anybody really had that on their bingo card going into the 2021 season, but here we are. Um, let's switch back to the Eastern Conference, and this is where <clears throat> this is where it gets hard for me. Uh, but the question is: Are the Sixers' chances to reach the finals? worse with the Joel Embiid game four performance. Is this a long-term effect or 
is this a one bad game sequence and the Sixers are going to move on, get over it, and you're going to see them in the Eastern Conference Finals? I think it's too early to say, honestly, because, you know, Joel Embiid is dealing with a torn meniscus. I tore my meniscus, but it wasn't like his. Mine wasn't was a major tear. Like I had to get surgery within the week because I couldn't walk on it at all. He has a small tear, and I don't know if how much of that was last night or how much of that was just him kind of regressing down a little bit like towards the mean i mean he, he was kind of under the mean but uh you know because he was scoring 39 and then 40 and like he was up there in points and then it, it came back down if the next game he's also hindered obviously that's a sign of you know that that's the knee and that's like injuries happening and if, if that if that's the case then yeah you're i would be very worried if i were you so, the other so, thing that worries me is ben simmons because he is not i don't think pulling his weight i think he he was not as aggressive last night. This as he is used to be. this, this, and you laid it up on a T for me perfectly. Um, That's because I knew, it, I knew this is what you were going to say. Well, no, and look, I mean, it's true. Joel Embiid has done everything you could ask of him under the circumstances. I mean, the dude is playing with a torn meniscus in his right knee and truly it's remarkable to think. Because he hasn't missed any games in the series. It's easy to forget, like you said, how serious of an injury a torn meniscus is. Yeah. Have players done it with a minor meniscus? Sure. It's not unheard of. Um, I, I, you know, playing hockey. It happens. But the type of player <clears throat> that he is, a big, tall center, all that weight going on that knee. On top of the injury history with Embiid, not not to a fault of Embiid, he's been healthier of late, just but his just his body, correct. And the type of game he plays, being physical in the paint, getting up and attacking the rim, how good he is defensively and how he reacts, how he pivots, how he pulls off those jumpers. <clears throat> Excuse me. The guy hits the deck numerous times a game. There's a natural inclination to wonder if he ever is going to get up some of these times. I mean, every time he hits the floor, my heart stops and I'm like, please yeah. get up. Um, you know, game four, he went to the locker room before halftime with the trainers, came back out with Elton Brand. Elton Brand gave him the thumbs up. Um, he admitted it after the game. And I, I don't know if you heard his comments, but obviously – you know, with my other podcast made for Philly and, and obviously me being completely locked into the Philly scene, I'm all over all their press game conferences. Now, what what do you say? That he didn't feel he knew he didn't feel right throughout the day. And it wasn't anything he's and he didn't blame the knee. R really what Joel Embiid was referencing was, you know, you sometimes you just know you don't have it. It's just a bad day. And that's where really in the regular season. You'll probably see him be a, you know, getting rested with knee soreness or something. This is that part of that yeah. load management type thing. Mm -hmm. But he, and he reiterates, he's like, it, it comes down to pain management. I know I'm doing the right thing. It, it's, it's something that I know I have to work through. I didn't play up to my potential and he owned everything. I mean, he went 0 for 12 from the floor. That, that speaks enough that he wasn't the Joel MP dropping 40, 39, 
logging 40 minutes a night like he was close to doing here, which is, again, on a torn meniscus. Very hard yeah. to do. And he's almost playing damn near the whole entire game. So this, but to your point, this isn't all about Joel Embiid. He is doing what he can. This is on Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons not holding up their own. Look, Seth Curry is great. Dropped 17 points in game four. Matisse Tybel was the second leading scorer. He's a second team all NBA defensive player this season. He's not somebody you rely to to score 20 plus points a game. That's not that's not what he's there to do. He's there to lock up Trey Young when Ben can't. Now, granted, Ben has done a lot of very good things, including taking Trey Young out of his game really since game one. Um, it, it, because in my opinion, it's not Trey Young. The reason why they they lost Game Four was not because of Trey Young. It was more because of the clutch shooting of Bogdanovich and, and Collins. But and he had eighteen assists. Though. He had eighteen assists. Sure, He's getting on the ball. Correct. You got to give How, him credit for that. However, when Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons combined for a collective four points in the second half, that's not going to get it done. And why I'm not pressing the panic button is first off, Ben Simmons, first and foremost, said, I need to be more aggressive in the paint. I got away from my game. No and well, right. But, you know, the, the whole hack of Ben thing, maybe that's got got to him a little bit. He didn't want to go to the line. He wanted to distribute to somebody that could get to the free throw line and make the shots. I get it. I, I do. Tobias Harris, you have no excuse. I mean, you you simply have no excuse for the abysmal second half that he had. But with that all being said, they were still up 18 points at one point. Mm -hmm. The bench played well. You got good production out of Shake Milton again. You got good production out of Furcon Corkmas, who started in place of Danny Green. The role pieces really did play well. You got good minutes out of Dwight Howard. Um. You had probably the worst game of the season with the Sixers top three, and yet they lost by two points or three points. Excuse me. Also, another stat I'm going to throw at you, plus minus numbers, Joel and Simmons were both zeros, net zeros. So that they weren't a detriment to the team when they were on the court. Correct. Tobias Harris was a minus eight. You know, so they, they had the game. Look, them out. They, they, had, they had the play to win the game with seven seconds left. Joel Embiid, just because he wasn't himself, missed a play that if I have Joel Embiid wide open in the paint, making an easy layup like that 10 out of 10 times, I I'm feeling great about it. He missed it. And, and that's where, you know, it all, it all fell apart. But for the Sixers to play that poorly and lose that closely, the two Hawks wins this series have be, have been not because the Hawks played well. I'm not trying to take anything away from the Hawks, <laughs> but I am in a way because the Sixers <laughs> played that, but the Sixers played that bad. Like yeah, it, it's not the it's Sixers true. team that you expect to see. So Corkman was a minus 13. Well, he's not a defensive start, guy and he started. Why don't they start Thibel? 
I think because of his lack of offensive production consistently and, and for Furkan has has been has been more Probably the all around play. guard yeah. play. Correct. So with that being said, the Sixers haven't played up to their potential in this series, and yet it's the best of three series, and you're you're going back home to Philly. I I fully expect game five to be an absolute blowout in Philadelphia. I don't think the I mean, look, the I Hawks look that. left. The looks look the Hawks were ready to give up in this series at halftime. You could tell. They they were one or two more bad possessions away from throwing in the towel and the Sixers let them back in. The Sixers let them back into this series. Yeah. So it's on the Sixers to take them back out of it. And I expect them that they're going to. They're gonna they're gonna handle, they're going to manage Joel MB. They're gonna give him load management. I expect you might see a little more Dwight Howard. Why? Because you can against the Hawks. You don't have to play Joel MB 35 minutes a night. You don't. Mm-hmm. And I think Doc Rivers is going to see that you need to see a more aggressive Ben Simmons because when he has attacked the paint, yeah, he might miss the and one, but he has been unstoppable. Nobody can stop Ben Simmons when he's attacking the rim on anyone. I mean, that yeah. that's how good he can be. And, and I, I, you and I were at Hooters last night with the old Gazi bear and another one of our old friends, LeVac. And we were talking about, Stephen A's comments about what he said about Ben Simmons has all the attributes to be the next LeBron. If he could find a way to shoot, he has everything you want in an NBA player. He has the athleticism. He has the defense. He has the capability of being that guy. He needs to learn how to shoot. But unfortunately, I I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I mean, that's TBD. I mean, it's been four years now, (laughs) but, but, I think, you know, people throw out the argument that Ben Simmons is the reason why the Sixers won't win a championship. Um, It's a fair argument, but I'm not going to go that far because I think the Sixers and Doc Rivers know how to use him. Um, Mm -hmm. Some people want to throw out the point that, you know, in the final seconds of a game down to your best player is not on the court. Um, I I mean... well, it beats the best. Well, player. it beats the best player, second best player. I'm sorry, but yeah, I get it. I get what you mean, though. But I, I just, I see, Perfect. I've seen the potential of the Sixers team, and I'm not ready to say that. Press the panic button; they're no longer the favorites in the Eastern Conference because if the Sixers, as they are right now, yes, Embiid will be playing on a torn meniscus. But if the Sixers wind up against the Bucs, because I think they match up really well against the Bucs, I've been saying that for years. Nothing's really changed with them outside of Bledsoe being gone and Drew Holiday being there. Sixers always with their size match up well against the Bucs. They've historically been <laughs> have been good against Milwaukee. I was always more worried about this Nets team. And if they're not healthy and they don't have the size to stop Embiid in the paint or, or really stop or have really any of the shooters to keep up with the Sixers if you don't have Harden and Kyrie I mean yeah you have Kevin Durant but the supporting (laughs) cast isn't there the Sixers have better depth I'm not worried if the Sixers can get through the Hawks which I think they will I'm gonna say not real on the Sixers being in trouble I'm gonna say not real yet Uh, I again the two losses against the Hawks um, a combined 
five points. So even the losses are so close that they're literally like a coin flip, like a, a bounce ball away, a couple seconds to take a better shot here or there. That's all they're doing. And these are like bad games. Like last night was a bad game for the Sixers. Worst game. I, I, I tweeted it. I tweeted it right after the game. It was the worst game I've seen the Sixers play all year. All year. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. But they only lost by three, even when they were terrible. That again, I to your point is probably an indictment on the Hawks not being quite good enough yet. Can you have a bad game like that against the Bucks or the probably Nets, not? No, depending on their health. If it's just Kevin Durant, it's a whole different story. But if it's Kevin Durant and one of those two or both, then no, you have this game against the Nets or the Bucks, you probably get blown out. Let's be honest, like. This Hawks team, I don't think is good enough. I think ultimately the Sixers will win this series, especially if this is just Embiid wasn't feeling it that night. The problem that I have with Ben Simmons is just that, yeah, Embiid wasn't having a good night. That's your time, Ben. That is when you step up. That is when you take pressure off of your best player so that your best player can be your best player going forward more than just this game or the next game, this whole series to win a championship. You can't have the guy who's playing on a tear in meniscus carrying the load too you only scored 11 points ben come on you need to get aggressive and get to the line and if you if you miss half of them well then if you take 20 you make 10 if you take 30 you know just get there just get there 50 percent, but get there a bunch and i had a conversation with a, a guy that is is pretty prevalent in the philly media scene last night after the game and really what he he said was it seemed like Embiid got to the point where he was pretty much begging Toby and Ben to step up. He yeah. said, I've done it just seemed like his body language was like, I've done everything I can. I'm putting out my body one rebounds. Like even he, he wasn't, his shots yeah. weren't dropping. He was still working. He was still getting all the rebounds. I like, mean, you, you could on. just see how how slow he got after getting up off the floor i mean he every ounce of energy he had was put on that court and simply tobias harris and ben simmons didn't show up for him it, it was it was disturbing to see it was upsetting to see but at the same time i don't think you're gonna see that happen. the only lost by three and i don't think you're gonna see that again so I hope I, not for their sake for my sake too okay i mean I, if the sixers get eliminated before they should I, we're not doing a show because i'm gonna be <laughs> crying not in a very good place okay we'll, we'll just but we're gonna worry uh, about that when the time comes we're not gonna talk about that now happy thoughts happy thoughts, happy thoughts. um happy thoughts. one more thing bef- before we we switch sports here we have a new rule that that might be coming to the nba and i think there's nobody that's gonna be against this uh, the the NBA's competition committee met this past Monday to further explore rule changes to restrict the unnatural motions. This is music to my ears, especially watching Trey on this series. Unnatural motions surrounding jump shots that players are using to draw fouls. Bam, Trey Young. Bam, James Harden. Bam, Luka Doncic, right? The league wants to limit the ability of players to lean backwards and sideways, for example, to initiate contact, to get to the free throw line. That's been Trey Young's bread and butter this entire playoffs. That is what made James Harden, James Harden. Luca does that very well. Um, it's been frustrating, though, for all the NBA, I don't say old heads, tr- or traditionalists even, 
it's been frustrating to watch because it's made the NBA a less better product than it really can be. Um, it, it's kind of taken defense out of the game and, and it's really put the emphasis on shooting, which is what the next, the younger generation wants. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good back to back, you know, bang, he bangs a three bang. He bangs a three and, and you know, they're going back and forth and it's close and it's tight and they're exchanging threes. That's exciting. However, I do like defense and there should be something to be said for guys like Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, guys that can get out there. Uh, Drew Holiday is another example of very good defensive guard who can get out there and, and but gets penalized because they are so good defensively and these guards can get away with so much that they end up getting in foul trouble and you don't get to see their potential on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, we've seen it with Trey Young and the Hawks throughout this entire playoffs. We've seen it for years with James Harden. We're seeing it with Luka. Um, this is something that I think is going to be a very welcomed rule for the majority of the NBA. Yeah, I think that this I, – I'm with you. I, I love an offensive game, obviously. I love the back-to-back threes. Like, I don't mind when they run up and they jack up a three. I mean – when they can hit it. I don't like when Giannis does it because he misses. So I when time. Giannis yeah, does it. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Giannis, why are you pulling up? You, you're like for three seconds in the shot clock, but that's neither here than there nor there. Um, I like offense, but I do appreciate good defense. And I would love to see a little more leeway when it comes to defenders because they really are getting like two hands tied behind their backs with this, this stuff. Like you can't, you're trying to stay like close on, you know, Trey Young or James Harden and like stay on their hip and then you you you're in good position right next to them hands down and they just like jump into your body and you get called for a foul so it, I I don't think it's very fair um I think it's going to be difficult to enforce it I don't think it's going to be a rule as in like you get fined if you do it you might be but I think it's more going to be like a, this is how you're going to officiate stop calling these fouls. And I, it's gonna not going to go to, yeah, it's not going to go to the extreme of, correct. And, and that's so. where, that's where the next step is and really where the NBA is going with it. They didn't really say, they did say that there's starting to be too much of an emphasis on offense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's, they're more concerned about how rosters are being constructed because they're saying, you know, throughout the NBA, you look at the lineups and how rosters are constructed and there is a lack of defense mm-hmm. and or, or a defensive approach throughout the entire league and, and that's where the concern is um they believe there's framework for rules that allows offensive players too much free time to initiate that contract <clears throat> um and, and that that's where it gets to that how are the refs going to adapt this and how are they going to call it how are what are what are they going to deem unnatural what are they going to deem awkward? How are they going to view that? Is it going to be reviewable? Um, the plan as of now is to bring the recommendation, excuse me, recommendations to the board of governors um, this, this summer, once the season's over. Uh, and that's going to be implemented into the summer league before this year. And then they're hopeful that the referees can start implementing it. Once they get used to the rules um, during the summer leagues, see how it works and move on from there. Uh, the, it, it sounds like they're leaning towards trying to implement it for 2021, 2022. 
but this might be something where I think it's going to take some time and you might see it more 2022, 2023, but at least it's on the table. And at least it's something that they realize is a problem throughout the entire league. I hope it'll be reviewable because if it, if, if it gets implemented as in, this is how the referees should change it starting next season. Um, and then we'll have the like situations where like, you know, the ref calls it because you know they're they're used to how it was before and then maybe they can go back and look i know people don't like replay slowing the game down too much but i'd rather read this out as much as possible because i do like to see a defensive game or at least the ability to have a defensive game because if not you're just going to have teams like the nets built like mainly just on scoring and they're going to have games in the 120s on average which we almost have at this point but i like to see defensive games so I, i'm i'm totally down for this I, i'm interested to see how they implement it or whether they're just going to let them play generally more physical throughout I just the regular know season which would be nice i just know it, it, it's been so daggone frustrating watching trey on get away with it this series and look it, it's it's the game right now it's the rule i can't get mad at it for that reason just it, it's frustrating especially being a sixers fan seeing matisse tybel who just got voted as a second team all pro NBA defensive player play phenomenal defense on him, do absolutely nothing wrong, but Trayon jumps back in an unnatural, awkward way, and Tybal gets the foul because of it. That's what the NBA is trying to get rid of. And and, and it's not Trayon's fault. It, no. It's not really anyone's fault, but that's what the game is. And stars like Trayon, like Luca. Like Harden, even Steph can do it sometimes. That's what yeah. the, I mean, you see LeBron do it. LeBron does it. I, they all do it. They all try to do it. It's just some are better. That's why we noticed Trey Young and James Harden and Luca doing it is because they're so good at it, especially when they get people like Luca is especially good at getting someone like on his hip behind him. And then he'll like stop and jerk forward. And Trey does it when someone's on like his front right side and he'll just like, you know, jerk off, like jump into it. And so, oh man, that's that's fantastic. He jerks his body to the left or the right or whatever and jumps into them. It's literally what it is. It's it's not anything more. You're literally jumping into someone and causing no, no, no. And, and that's what Trey under. So, so, and obviously, our Spotify listeners are not going to see what I'm about to do, but whoever is watching on, on YouTube, literally, what Trey done. Trey Dunn. Jeez. What Trey Dunn did. Trey Dunn. Uh, what, what Trey Dunn really does is he dribbles, and then as he fades away, he makes sure like his elbow gets stuck on the defender. So if you look, he lifts up his leg, and like his elbow goes into the defender, and then he falls back. That's what they're talking about. That's what they they don't want that contact there. You can fade away on a defender. That's that's part of the game. Guards have done that for decades. It's initiating that contact, like you said, with the elbow, with the shoulder, and then pushing off is what they're trying to eliminate. And then the defensive player get the foul for it. Yeah. That's That's been the problem. Listen, when, the, when the defender's hands are straight down and their body is just like, it's not even like they were, or their body was touching them before. It's their hands are down and the offensive player is literally moving their body so that their arm is it, like, yeah, if you're taking a shot up like that, like just straight up, and someone's hands are right here, their body's right there, and you hit them, that's a foul. But like, 
you can't, I, I hate that, that offensive players can initiate the contact and then roll with it like that. It's an um, offensive minded league. And, and until I get that... it, but you know, I, I get the offense and we all love offense, obviously, but sure do. It, it just needs to be a little bit better. Like you can have some of it, but not so much that players are looking for it every time down the court. Like, like some, like Trey Young and them, and James Harden, like they're masters at it. So that's what they do. I mean, you're going to do what works best, no matter if it's within the rules, which it is. Absolutely. Until maybe now, hopefully. So I kind of threw a little tidbit. I didn't want to harp on it too much right off the rip of the show, but we do have a new sponsor. We want to welcome Ooh. Mohawk Honda to the scene. And we want to thank Mohawk Honda for joining the Godzilla media world and, and sponsoring our show. It's going to be awesome. I can, I mean, we've both you and I have nothing but good things to say about Mohawk Honda Mm -hmm. and what we've dealt with them in the past. They're nothing but awesome to, to all of us. And sure. Every dealer wants your trading right now. I'm sure you've gotten emails and calls from your dealerships. And I know I have about trade-ins. There's a shortage of inventory everywhere in the market, no matter where you go. So you trade it in and get money in your hands. Now what? They don't have anything for you to buy. So you're kind of stuck, right? At Mohawk Honda, not only do they give you top dollar for your trade in, they have acres and acres of inventory for you to choose from. They have the largest inventory of vehicles in the entire capital region. And that means you can choose the one that's right for you. Sure, some other dealers talk about their values, whatever. That's great, but they'd <laughs> rather sh- they'd rather show you what they have. And, and there's value in selection, but more importantly, there's value in how you're treated at Mohawk Honda. I, I know when I ever go to Mohawk Honda and, and I need service done, I got a 2017 Civic Coupe from Mohawk Honda. I love it. Would not trade it in for anything in the world. Uh, that, you know, if I need an oil change, any service done, they're quick and easy. You book an appointment, they bring you right in, you're in and out of there. Their service is top notch. So don't feel pressured into buying something from another dealer because they say that's the best they can do. Go to Mohawk Honda, buy the vehicle you deserve because their vast selection of certified pre-owned vehicles is guaranteed to fit your needs, your lifestyle and not the other dealers quote unquote values that they harp on and have no results to show for. So this summer selection is keen and no one has more to choose from than Mohawk Honda where they always go out of their way to please you. So That's thank you. So thank you again for Mohawk Honda for, for sponsoring sports with a Z and a T as well as every other podcast that Godzilla media has. Uh, look, I can't say enough good things. I know Taylor, you can't say enough good things. It's going to be, an awesome partnership with only good things to come. I went to Philly this weekend, Taylor. I, 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 I don't, I don't know if anybody on Twitter had any idea, yeah, but the Phillies played the Yankees this past weekend. And did, um, did the Yankees play? Um, technically, <laughs> uh, they they on did, paper they played. They, on paper they played. They were they, there. They they did not seem present, um, which was great for me and all Phillies fans there. Uh, there were a lot of Yankees fans there. I, I was, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised because it is the Yankees and fan base travels, but Philly, New York. I mean, you, you see it the other way too. I've been to mess games. The Phillies fans are always in, in New York or go to the Phillies Yankees game later in July. That's in New York. I'm sure there'll be plenty of Phillies fans there as well, but I, I mean, I can sit here and talk about 
the Phillies. I mean, they are what they are. They're an up and down baseball team with clear holes and needs. Um, you kind of saw it with the Phillies and they blew a seven to two lead with the bullpen. Hector Neris gave up that three run blast to DJ LeMahieu, but the Phillies ended up walking it off. But then they turn around on Sunday and <clears throat> win seven, nothing Aaron Nola looked like the ACE that we all hope that he is. The lineup looked good. They lost to the Dodgers last night. They are what they are. And, and I've come to peace with that. They might make a run. If the Mets stumble for the NL East title, because the NL East is up for grabs, they might, sneak into a back-end wild-card spot, but I don't have World Series aspirations for the Phillies this year. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with Yankees fans and this Yankees team, at least to start the year. This is a Yankees team that there were no more excuses, right? Like, this was mm-hmm. the year. The AL was wide open. You have the talent. You have the ace and Garrett Cole. You address the pitching, supposedly. You have <laughs> a healthy judge. You hopefully have a healthy John Carlos Stanton. Um, <clears throat> this past weekend, Taylor, and I don't know where to begin. I, look, th- this can, this can be on Aaron Boone as much as you want, but I'm going to go a step further and say, this is on Brian Cashman because Aaron Boone can only do so much with what he has. Cashman wanted the player's manager. You fired your world series winning manager, Joe Girardi to get this guy. I've seen nothing. And we've, I mean, you've been a Yankees fan all your life. I've been in New York long enough to, you know, see the the baby bombers come up and be the team that was supposedly a World Series contender year in and year out. I've never seen a more disinterested, sloppy, less fundamental baseball team than I did the New York Yankees these past two weeks. Um, just horrible at bats, not working pitch counts, um, errors in the infield, getting late to a ball in the outfield, um, the lack of production in the lineup as a whole, you got a combined 4.2 innings out of your two starters in Jamison Tyone, which uh, he, 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 he was awful. The Phillies chased him in the first and Domingo Herman was terrible to start and kind of settled down to at least give him some length. But <clears throat> this is a Yankees team. Look, I mean, it's the same problems. You have Aaron judges in the lineup one night. And, and we talked about this last week too. Um, you have, Aaron, you have Aaron judge in the lineup one night. He's out on Sunday because of back spasms. I saw John Carlos Stanton once the entire weekend and that was for a three pitch pinch hit at bat where he struck out (laughs) if john carlos stanton is healthy like they say he is then why did he not see one start in that weekend series especially when aaron judge is out of the lineup you have john carlos stanton sitting on the bench but you're willing to trot out clint frazier who's batting sub 200 Brett Gardner, who's batting sub 200, and Miguel Andujar out in the outfield. I get it. Stanton's made of glass, but if I'm paying $25 million for a guy, you best be damn sure I'm going to try to make it work. This team is broken fundamentally, and that's not on Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone did not give him that contract. I I mean, neither did Cashman, but guess what? Cashman traded for it. Mm-hmm. Cashman knew what he was getting and, and, and granted he was very good in Miami before he came to New York. 
But the refusal to address really the fact that the lineup is so heavy right-handed. You don't have a trustworthy lefty at bat. You've held on to guys like Gary Sanchez, <clears throat> which look, I'm all for loyalty and I'm all for trusting, you know, your prospects, but at some point you got to see what everyone else has seen that he's just simply not good and that the pitching staff cannot trust him behind the plate. Glaber is not a shortstop. DJ LeMay, you can't be the only guy carrying a lineup when you're the New York Yankees and you have Aaron Judge, Don Carlos Stanton, Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez. You have all these guys. Excuse me. I just smacked my mic. I don't know why I'm getting worked up about the Yankees because I hate them. But I yeah. think it's because of the at like we've all looked so bad this year because we said this is the year the Yankees are going to do it because they have no choice. They are in fourth place. In the American League East, eight and a half games out of first. I don't think with the now the Rays just got a huge blow with Glass now being out with a UCL mm -hmm. tear. Um, but the way the Rays are playing, the way the Rays can find a way to find guys off the street and still be a top team in the in the all of Major League Baseball, the way the Red Sox are playing, Toronto's getting hot. Forget the wild card. I, I mean, you got to hope that Baltimore doesn't catch you at this point. They're playing that bad. Yeah, they really are. And and for me, it's I, I, I think I've said this every time we've talked about the Yankees, but it just seems it's every year. It's the same with this. Like you, you just, oh, this is the year they have all the pieces and they just can't put it together. And I don't know what their ultimate issue is why why these guys can't run the bases right why they can't hit when they're runners in scoring position that runner in scoring position you're talking about that it, it, it was on it was on saturday yeah you had a chance in extras and i don't even remember who it was who got out was it lemayhew um was it i don't even remember Mayhew or Odor? i don't know but but he got he it was odor he got stuck right. in between. Uh, yes. LeMahieu hit the grounder. <laughs> and uh, no, I'm sorry. Glaber hit the grounder. Odor, for some reason, Odor's batting third. <laughs> and Urshela, I'm going to recorrect. So Odor batted third. Urshela is your cleanup. You have Aaron Judge on your roster, and Odor is batting third, and Urshela is your cleanup. That's an Aaron Boone problem. Mm -hmm. um, but. It's a top. It's it's all of it. Like Cashman for putting this 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 roster together. This roster obviously does not work together. I think everyone, almost all these pieces, I like on their own in a vacuum. Like I like sure. almost all the players. It's just they don't mesh together well. They don't play the right way together. And it and also the injuries and like Aaron Judge is just so frustrating because he he and Stanton both seem like they're made of glass where every year it's like, oh, you know, the these two MVP candidates so they should be. And then they just can't because they can't stay healthy. They don't stay on the field. And when they're on the field, they're either maybe they're hitting and getting home runs or they're just striking out every time. And so I think Cashman needs to go. I think you need to reconsider Boone because at this point, Boone will nothing, go before nothing Cashman. to lose. Boone will go before you. You can easily reason letting go Boone, but it's going to be a more of an organizational shift and more drastic changes 
when and if Hal Steinbrenner says, you know what? Cashman's gone too. Well, that's what I mean because I like all the players. So like, I, I think Cashman's biggest mistake was probably trading for Stanton given his contract. And oh, given absolutely. The that's not even, it's not even a debate. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. And like most other things he's, he's been all right with um, so far, but like, I just think at this point, the way that it's gone the last couple of years, not just this year, last couple of years, I know a couple of years back, you had the injury ridden season, which you even overachieved with what you had, which you could see that, I guess, as a plus season, even though you didn't do much once you got the playoffs. But I think this Yankees front office just needs a complete retool, relook at blow almost everything up, trade who you can to get people who mesh better together. And I don't, I don't know what the answers are, but you know, something needs to be done because it, this team looks so good on paper. So good. That's why we pick them every year to be, you know, representing the AL in the, in the, uh, the world series, but they just don't, they don't put it together and they don't have chemistry. They have terrible chemistry. Like their chemistry is, they and you know, and you saw it like, look, we've heard it all year. And, and I, I've, I made sure to really look around the diamond when the Yankees were out in the field, they did not want to be there. They had no interest in being in Philadelphia, playing the Phillies. So and the question just, is, is that on Boone or do you think that's a product of their own play? I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, like what Cashman made as a product put Boone and this roster in this situation, but they're also responsible for not writing the ship on their own. Like the talent is there. There's no excuse. The talent is there. Um, That's on the players and that's on the leadership style and that's on the coaching style. So that is on Aaron Boone. Mistakes like Cashman Cashman built this whole thing. You let go of a guy like Joe Girardi who held players accountable for a player's coach like Aaron Boone. Sure, you won 100 plus games two consecutive years under Aaron Boone with all the injuries, but we've seen nothing but regression since. Mm -hmm. So you, you saw, I think, the peak and it's only been downhill. Yeah, and the peak was fun. Sure was. <laughs> I mean, it was a team like. That. I mean, it was a team like. Wow, if they weren't so hurt, this was a team that was definitely winning their twenty eighth World Series. But because yeah, and like <laughs> good playoff runs, and then they just run into they just ran into better teams. At Yankees the time. fans, you know, Yankees fans, you know, being down seven nothing all weekend, made sure made uh made it clear. Oh, we have twenty seven rings. Oh, really? Well, that 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 last happened in two thousand nine. Look at the scoreboard, dipshit. Seven nothing. <laughs> Um, like you're a fight brace. Yeah, dude. I <laughs> Yankees fans were brutal this weekend. Like they did. Uh, and the thing is, like, look, I have a lot of friends that are Yankees fans, and, and like, I, I we sat next to a couple of Yankees fans. We had great conversations with them. Like, I, I don't. But just like in a stadium environment, when you are down seven nothing, and you start, let's go Yankees chance. What the hell do you expect to happen, especially in Philadelphia? Not much good. Not much good. It it just like Yankee fan, be better. Know the situation. If you dangle the 27 rings out, that's a sorry excuse. That's a sorry excuse. Nobody in the stadium had anything besides Joe Girardi, who's across the diamond, had anything to do with that. So don't dangle that. I don't care about what happened over a decade ago. I I'm looking at that scoreboard right now and 
my baseball team is beating your baseball team by a touchdown with the extra point good. So <laughs> sit the hell down. Like uh, I don't know. Just, it, but it was a fun weekend. I got yeah. I got I got my son. I got you know had oh, my beer. Shout out to one of our our Twitter followers. I don't know if he follows the show, uh, but Jonathan who who tweeted at you when uh, the Yankees came back and tied it up oh. seven seven. I didn't say anything because I was like, it's way way oh, too I early waited. to be celebrating. I waited. I, waited yeah, I know you did. And then as soon as it went through, walked and you, off. You won, uh, yeah, walk out one and you're just like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. He was like, how you feeling, Bryce? And I was <laughs> like, I'm not saying anything until the end of this game because he definitely just jinxed them. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, dude, it, when when the, when the Yankees came back, I was like, this is typical, man, typical Phillies. I saw it when like when you the one time you're there in the stadium, and I was like, oh, is are they going to come back and win this game right in front of Bryce? Just stick it to him. But no, they couldn't it, even do it, that. It they felt, couldn't it, even do that. It felt like a playoff atmosphere, though. It, I mean, it was a sellout crowd in Citizens Bank Park both weekends. Um, it, it was jam packed. It was loud. Fans were at it the entire game. It reminded me of the playoffs, and it just was another reminder that that we're back. I was um, gonna say probably because like you know these people haven't gone to anything in over a it's year. Been, so right. I mean every, that was every game is like a playoff game. It was fourteen months of cooped up just sports enjoyment that angst. nobody nobody With could angst. let right nobody could <laughs> let loose of it, it was it was just awesome it, it was That's a why great seeing time the fights and like did you see the the fight with the nut the sons guy and then and the nuggets sure did sons in four sons in four <laughs> um devin booker retweeted devin booker retweeted um uh today a picture of him he was like i need this man's yeah, info he, he was so, like i need to find this man um man did he throw some haymakers on those nuggets fans my <laughs> goodness yeah. If you turn on the volume of that video, we well, try to get sucker punch him. So I mean, <laughs> good for him. I mean, if, yeah, if my I team guess. was up, I, mean, I don't even know. I don't think he he even got thrown out. I think it was just the Nuggets fans that got tossed. Well, so, I think they instigated. I couldn't really see all of it. What happened because it kind yeah. of started in the middle of it. But I definitely think the Nuggets fans were the ones being being a rowdy at the beginning, and he definitely tried to punch him like sucker punch him when he like turned. So I mean. <laughs> It is what it is. That's what happens if you be an asshole. Sure is. So um, we're we're gonna. I mean, because of time constraints, you know, before before the show started, I said, yeah, maybe forty five minutes. We're pet. We're an hour and five minutes. Um, we do this every year. Every, <laughs> every show, we're like, oh, 45. There's the one where you were like, we're gonna we're gonna make this quick because. Yeah, I gotta it go somewhere. Mom, it was my mom's, was birthday. mom's birthday. I was like, I were like to thirty-five dinner. minutes tops. It was like fifty-five <laughs> minutes. Well, you get Taylor and I talking sports, and this is what happens. So we're gonna go. We're gonna run through this pretty quickly, and and next week, if it's still um, relevant, because I think it will, be because it doesn't go into effect until the twenty-sixth. Um, so we'll we'll tackle it more next week. Um, the MLB dropped the hammer down on the MLB foreign substance violators with the spider tack. Um, I'm just gonna read off. Some of the, uh, I mean, the, first of all, this is a huge deal. Uh, we'll go into more of the details next week, um, but it's going down to the point where you can't even rub the ball or spit on the ball to get a grip. That's considered a foreign substance. <laughs> like, so, just like there, and he just starts. Hey, and, hey, it's, hey, hey, hey. and it's going to be, it's going to be a ten-game suspension uh, <clears throat> for that player. And the, and the, the side note of it is the team can't substitute that player on their active roster. 
So it, wow. it not only hurts that player, but it's going to hurt the team too. So I mean, you're going to see a big shift in the pitching world here in the next week or two. We're going to talk about this next week. I'll put it on the front burner for, for next week's show, but I wanted to throw that out there because it did has dropped this week. It's a big, big deal, especially say, with a lot I of the changes in the baseball. I think it's going to be good. I think, I think I it's going to be good. I, do I mean, too. We- just don't ask Eric Cole because he won't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um little another I, shout I out for those of our listeners that live in the state of new york just a big congratulations hey. to everybody in the state of new york we hit the 70 percent mark of vaccinated individuals here of ages 12 and up most of our restrictions are now lifted um, outside of you know the the healthcare centers, schools, the mm-hmm. places like I that. Know that. But um, good job, New York. Way to do it. The capital region is at seventy four percent vaccinated. I saw that. Um, I saw Governor Cuomo. There's going to be a bunch of fire. Uh, this show airs on Thursday, so it won't matter. But um, Wednesday night we're recording, or no. Wednesday. Today's Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. The show airs on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night at 930. There's a bunch of fireworks at all the um, historical and, and um, important places in the state of New York. I, th- down in Albany at the Empire State Plaza. There, there's going to be at the Liberty um, Statue of Liberty, uh, Niagara Falls. Uh, there's at the State Fairgrounds out in Syracuse. There's going to be a place nice. in Utica fireworks just a job well done by the state of new york considering <laughs> considering where we were 15 months 14 15 months ago um mm-hmm. I, I mean it, it was a scary time we made it we got through it and, and we started just, from the bottom now we're here now we're here and uh we're getting back to normal baseball stadiums are full capacity again we can do the things that we want to yes. do and it's all because of the hard work big thank you to our frontline workers could not have done any of this without you. So I want to thank you first and foremost, as well as everybody else in the state that did their part, got vaccinated and all the essential us- workers. Let's be honest, like Absolutely. frontline workers, good, but anyone who is essential who worked the whole pandemic, big congrats to you. Absolutely. So also 70% is still not hundred percent. So still not hundred percent. Get vaccinated. Got- if you're not, we still got a ways to go, but that, that was the target that everybody was looking for. Um, herd immunity, that whole nine yards. So we are beating COVID. We're not done with this battle yet, but we are getting back. So keep up the good fight. Um, thank you for tuning in to sports with a Z and a T outside of Mohawk Honda, who we are sponsored by, as I, as I mentioned a couple times throughout this show, we are also sponsored by saving face barbershop up in Saratoga Springs. If you have not checked out um, that barbershop with our boy, Jeremiah, we both got cuts there in the past two weeks. Uh, yep. great, awesome dude. It's, it's a very cool atmosphere. He will always make sure to do the best job on you and, and he will go out of his way to make sure that you are happy once you leave, uh, with the way you look, especially with the warmer months, summer months, uh, you want that fresh cut to be looking good. I know graduations, um, are starting to come around for, for you high school kids out there. So head up to Saratoga, check out Jeremiah Saving Face Barbershop and, and get that fresh cut. I'm guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. Um, big thank you to guys and Godzilla media for giving us this opportunity. First and foremost, we wouldn't be here without him and uh, big man. 
any closing thoughts on your end, Taylor, before we head on out of here? Uh, no, I think, you know, be safe. Have fun out there. It's summertime. Be safe. Have fun. Watch and sports. trust and trust the process. Thank you for listening. <laughs> this <Heat> was, culture. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> for, for Taylor Lattimore, I'm Bryce Selinski. This is Sports with a Z and a T broadcast, uh, podcast. We will okay. catch you next. <laughs> I knew I had to mess up one last time. We will catch you next week. It's been an hour and 10 minutes. We'll catch you next week. Have fun. Be safe. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. <laughs>